Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host back on the 21st of August 2010 when West Brom beat Sunderland 1-0. They were there and so was I. Firstly, how are you Steve? I'm good, thanks Mike. Great to be back, pal. <laughs> and how are you, John? Yeah, I'm good. Was that Peter Odenwingy's uh, de- debut? It was, it was. He scored in his debut, 81st minute. Um yeah, good times. And it's good to be back as well. It's been a little while since we were back. I think our last episode was sometime in the start of May. Uh, we said we'd be back around about this time once West Brom give us something to talk about. And, um, you know, just a little update to say hello. And we're still here before we go into our weekly podcast at the start of the season. Um, plenty of things to discuss. West Brom has served up some stuff. I put a post out last week saying... Put a meme out saying, is West Brom ever going to sort of tell us anything? But they have, thankfully. So let's dive right in, as I always say. To the signing of John Swift was an exciting one. And then um, we've also signed Jed Wallace as well from on a free from all. Both free signings. So I want to start with the signings first. I think that's the best place to start. Um, I'm really happy and optimistic. I think they're two signings that are going to change the team. They're going to definitely, you know, change the first team rather than just be squad players and I think that we've all pointed towards the midfield as our real weak point and it looks like the club's trying to address that so with reference to those two signings Steve are you happy with them so far? Well yes I'm I'm pleased Uh, we were quite swift with swift Um, and and, and we actually managed to get um, Wallace in before just around about the start of uh, pre-season. So that's what he wanted to do. He professed that's what he wanted to do, and and that's what he's done as far as those two are concerned. Uh, and obviously, Daryl DK is going to be like a new signing for us, really. Um, he could have made a difference last season, but let's hope he just makes one this season. Uh, and so there's that. And um, and then, I suppose, really, other than those two players and, and, and DK, uh, outgoings are going to be quite interesting as well, I hope, this season. Close season, should I say? Yeah. And what's your thoughts on the transfer business so far, John? I think it's very positive. Um, I think the team, um, which it shouldn't lack creativity, because when you actually look at our front four, uh, you know, potential front four, you've got Dean Garner, Grant, uh, Phillips, uh, and a striker. That should be enough in this division to create goals, but it hasn't been um, yeah. for different reasons. Um, and I think we never really, we never really replaced Mateus Pereira when he left. Um, and I think I'm hoping that Swift can step into that role behind the striker and, and be the be the link up that we need. Uh, Jed Wallace, to be honest with you, Jed Wallace um, is a good signing. He, he played well for Millwall last season. I, I suppose the only question mark over Jed Wallace is when he was at Wolves, he didn't really do a lot. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, that's that's in the past. So hopefully we get Millwall, the Millwall version of Jed Wallace as opposed to the Wolves one. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, how can you not be positive? They're creative players. We need creativity. Um, they cost nothing. Well, they probably cost a lot of money, actually, but they cost us no transfer fee. Uh, and we beat out, you know, Premier League teams, I think, for both of them is the rumour yeah. that I heard. Uh, so it's all pretty positive. I think for me, it changes the complexion of the team. And the way I think that is because we said last season, one of the points that I made was there was no competition for places. We had a decent midfield on paper, but there was no competition. There was nobody pushing them. So if they had a bad game, there was really no one to come in and replace them. And, you know, I think Sawyer's going out on loan was a mistake. But now it feels like we have got that more more depth in midfield. So if somebody like... You know, Jay Livermore has a bad game if he plays. There is somebody there to replace him. There is that pressure. There's that competition for first team places. And I think also it gives, you know, I only have only two signings and there's still work to do. And we will talk about that in a minute. But it's starting to give Steve Bruce, you know, his own team. He's starting to mould this team into what he wants it to be. And I know it's been such a, a clash of styles over the last, you know, three, four, five managers we've had it's nice that we might start to get that stability. Um, we are going to talk about Bruce in more depth in a minute, but that's how I feel about it right now. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is goalkeeper because I watched an interview, I think it was Sky Sports News, and they mentioned goalkeeper because obviously Sam Johnston has left. 
because for some reason we keep getting tagged like West Brom gets tagged in. Oh, he might be going here, he might be going there. I couldn't care less where he goes. <laughs> He's not going to the Albion, so I don't care. But there was talk of, you know, would we sign a new goalkeeper? And Steve Bruce said, no, I've got the three goalkeepers I want in Button, Palmer and Griffiths, and I'm going to let them battle it out for number one, which I thought, great, sounds good. You know, Griffiths is really highly rated. Button has deputised for Sam Johnson, done OK, and Palmer, we've never really seen. Um, but then reports the next day that Griffiths might be going out alone to Portsmouth, which I thought was a bit odd. Um you know, are we going to be looking for a new goalkeeper then, surely? Because we can't start the season just with Button and Palmer. I think it's about opportunities for for him to play. I think um, because he's a young and highly rated goalkeeper, he does need to play to develop. Um, this is probably the thing that's holding Palmer back, um, is the fact that he hasn't played uh, much for us. Obviously, he went out on loan to Luton, I think on a short-term loan last year. But, um, yeah... I don't know about Josh Griffiths. If he's not going to get games for us, he needs to get games somewhere because it's no good having three goalkeepers, um, yeah. one of whom never plays. Uh, you may as well just... I mean, I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? Because if you, if you, if you get, if your goalkeeper gets injured, you're down to one goalkeeper if you've yeah. only got two. Whereas I suppose if you've got... Th- so I do understand the logic, but I'd rather have three senior goalkeepers. And if we do have a really, really highly rated youngster who's not ready for the first team yet, I'd rather he go out and loan and sit on the bench. Yeah. I suppose I suppose it depends on the type of loan um, that that you uh, enter into. If say for argument's sake, Griffiths goes to Portsmouth, um, surely there can be stipulations in there that should we need him desperately, then we get him straight back. There must be some way that that can be you know put into the loan contract or whatever, um, and so he could get game time at Portsmouth, and then if but if then if we need him within a week or so, he could be back with us. Um, I always think that three goalkeepers seems really extravagant. I, I, I always think that if you've got three goalkeepers and you're paying three goalkeepers and you only ever play, obviously, one in a game unless there's a problem, and then the second one comes in and takes over. I, I know it's happened and there will always be the exception that proves the rule. But how often do you get through three goalkeepers in a, in, in a season? How often does a third goalkeeper even get a game? I think I honestly think it's extravagant. I think we could do we could cope with two goalkeepers, and then a, a sensible loan for Griffiths to if it's Portsmouth, so be it, uh, with a stipulation that he comes back should an emergency arrive. I think you mentioned a few good points there. The first thing I want to say about the loan, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I'm pretty sure you can't recall a player unless it's a transfer window. So if Griffiths goes. Unless it's like a three-month loan, I suppose, or something like, or a two-month loan, or a month loan, we can only recall him in the winter, in the uh, in the January transfer window. Um, and in terms of goalkeepers, you're absolutely right. In you know, I think this is why teams like Man City, you know, they signed Scott Carson and Richard Wright years ago. You know, players that goalkeepers that aren't up to the level. No offense to them, but they're not up to the level of a Man City. But they sign them because. You know, they're not going to cost a lot in wages and they're sort of happy to be there almost as a third goalkeeper because it is very rare that you have to utilise that third goalkeeper. But on the off chance that you do, you don't want to be caught short. So I know I've banged this drum a lot, but does this open the door to a Ben Foster, to somebody who's going to come in for a year and, you know, if if Griffiths is going to go out on loan and, and have a year at, at Portsmouth, is does it... You know, does it open the door for that sort of a signing to come in for a year, maybe two, maybe two at max, um, while Griffiths is still developing on loan? I, I, I think if you're going to bring somebody like Foster in, then you'd bring him in as a coach and then register him as a player, perhaps. Yeah. As well. Uh, and under those circumstances, I don't, I don't know whether he'd come for, under those circumstances. He may well. But that might be the sort of thing that, that could get us through this. I just, I just hate the thought of having three goalkeepers. I mean, you know, they keep going on about money, money being a bit of an issue, and and they have to be careful. And that's fair enough. I ain't got a problem with that. And then we've got three goalkeepers, all of whom are on contract, all of whom are being paid, and only one of whom is ever playing. And usually through the season, unless the manager wants to see how a, a goalkeeper is performing, then they don't uh, they don't ever put an appearance. It just seems extravagant to me. Yeah, I think that um, 
it's too early <clears throat> in the in the um, preseason to make a decision on which goalkeeper is our best goalkeeper. So we shouldn't be sending him out on loan now at all. Um, we need to wait and see if he is the best goalkeeper because if he's the best goalkeeper, we should play. I don't care how old he is. Exactly. Um, so we if he if if he's in a battle for the number one spot at West Bromwich Albion, he needs to then he, we need to see how that battle plays out. So. It's, I know what you're saying about having three goalkeepers through the season. I know what you mean. Um, but the problem is, is as soon as you get one injury, you're down to one goalkeeper and you've got no goalkeeper on the bench. That's the yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's my thoughts, is that we don't, we shouldn't be making any decisions on Josh Griffiths or Palmer or Button until they've had a pre-season with, uh, to, to, to battle it out for the first spot. Because I think it's genuinely up for grabs. I don't think... I don't think any of you know we've all heard things about Palmer and, and Griffiths. Uh, we've actually seen Button play, um, but we've never seen the other two play. So I think it's way too early, and I'm really I'm really looking forward actually to seeing who 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 wins it out. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I've seen a lot online. You know, when I've mentioned Ben Foster, they said oh, I don't want him to come in and sort of stifle the progress of Palmer or Griffiths, and I completely wholeheartedly agree with that. I don't want to see Griffiths sent out on loan if he's our best goalkeeper be, to make way for a, a Ben Foster or whoever. I'm just using him as an example. I want to see our youth team players, whether it be Palmer or Griffiths, you know, come into the forefront and, and take that number one spot. Button is a, is a competent goalkeeper, you know, but I've, I haven't seen anything spectacular about him. He does a good job and I think he's a good deputy to a number one, but I don't think he should be our number one, in my humble opinion. I just think he's he's okay, but maybe that's enough for a team like us. You know, it will hopefully be on the front from next season. Maybe an okay goalkeeper will be enough. I, I don't see, I know, I'll just address what you were talking about with Ben Foster. Now, I think the issue with Ben Foster is, A, he's extremely old now. Yeah, really old. Is. Two, he's, uh, he's, his career's, his career's, finished you know he's made his millions and he's 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 spends most of his time either cycling or on podcasts yeah um i don't i don't get the impression with him that he's number one priority anymore he's playing football and i think that's part of the reason why watford haven't been very impressed with him recently Mm. um so i just think yeah you know is he a coach i don't even know if he is a qualified coach um but it's an interesting uh it's an interesting potential dynamic because he is a, a professor to be a West Bromwich Albion fan obviously he's one of our best ever players uh, in my opinion so yeah but I don't think we should be bringing Ben Foster back if I'm honest unless we're absolutely desperate um, for a goalkeeper because I, I just think it's too early in the preseason to know whether or not we've got a good goalkeeper already and he would yeah. be on huge wages absolutely huge salary yeah I agree it, it would it would take away from other positions that we need you know, urgently, and I think yeah, I can see your point there, definitely. Um, so let's talk about new signings or possible new signings. So Steve Bruce said he wants three more players. Uh, this is according to the Express and Star. He wants a fullback, a centre midfielder, and a striker. I know that we're interested in um, potentially into well, the talk is that we're potentially interested in Cameron Archer and um, Hamza Chowdhury. So, and I think that you know we're also there's talk of Tom Lawrence. I don't know whether you can sort of shed light on that, John, whether it was before Ched Wallace. But, um... yeah, I mean, it's just something I've heard. I don't know. It's it's it's, twi- it's just Twitter talk, isn't it? But apparently, you know, it does seem, I'll be honest with you, it makes sense to me that we would, that he might have been an alternative to Jed Wallace because I think we've got plenty, we've got loads of wingers now. You know, when you look at the yeah. players that we've got, we need to shift some on, I think, before we'd, before we'd sign anybody, particularly when you think that, I would imagine Dean Garner's on impressive wages. Matt Phillips is definitely on impressive wages. You know Swift's coming on a huge salary, and you know that Jed Bullis is coming on a big salary as well, probably. So, because if they wouldn't have come to us over Premier League clubs unless we were paying them pretty good wages, right? So, um, we're going to have, I think, the top end of the pitch, and obviously DK as well. I think the top end of the pitch is going to be sucking a hell of a lot of money out of our salary, our transfer budget. So, I'd be astonished if we were to go and get an, another huge earner because Tom Lawrence would be a big, big earner because he's a big star in this division. He's a star player. Um, I can't see us doing that unless we we've, unless we move on someone like Phillips, which I think would be great. By the way, I think he's it's it's time to it's time for him to go um, big time. And I think Lawrence would be an up, would be an upgrade on Phillips as well. Yeah, I think when we 
did our first podcast, our number one, like episode one, myself and, and you, John, we talked about Matt Phillips and he'd just been given a new three-year contract. And we did question it at the time, like, why have we given him a three-year contract? He, he was sort of looked like a spent force before this season. And, you know, fair play to Ron Gawley and Steve Bruce. They've come in and they're trying, I think, to get rid of the fringe players, the people who have been here for way too long. And I think Matt Phillips is probably one of those players. He... You know, I think we've had these best years out of him. And I, th- and I think if we can, and for him, it'd be a good time to move on. What do you think, Steve? I agree with you. I think Matt Phillips has been here way too long. And I've said on a few occasions, um, we this is what we do. Albion are terrible at this. Giving him another three-year contract when he was awarded it was a disastrous decision. And that's no way disrespecting him as a person or him as even a footballer. But he he was of an age then where another three-year contract was silly. I don't understand the thinking at all. So he should have been moved on because at that time, he would have at least had some value. We might have gotten a transfer fee for him. But now, we, for some reason, we keep him. And every season, the same thing happens. He plays a few games um, and, and then he goes out injured for a few games. And then sometimes, well, in fact, every season, I think, He's out for a protracted uh, period yeah. of time with um, some yeah. sort of some sort of muscle injury or some sort of joint injury. Um, it's it's is the perennial. He's honestly he's a, a perennial problem as far as that's concerned. So we that we badly need to move him on definitely. Mm. I think another player that's been uh, subject to being moved on is uh, Kenneth Sahor, <laughs> um, who, as John said, was stealing a living really for the last two years. He's done hardly anything. Um, um, Absolute fraud. Yeah. Fact. Well, Steve Bruce has come out and actually praised him. He's saying he's working hard and he sees him as well as DK as like new signings because, you know, they barely played. And he's had, Steve Bruce said he's had, a you know, two bad years at the club, but he's given him his, his chance. Do you think there might be a pathway for him or do you think we've got to cut our losses while we can? I mean, how long has his contract got? Has he got another two years left or? I'm not sure. It's whatever, however long it is, it's too long. But the um, the point, <laughs> I think what I'd say is with him is I get the impression that if he is working hard now, it's not for us, it's for his next contract because he's probably yeah. sat there thinking, hang on a minute, if I just if I just completely sit on, on my backside and do nothing for this club, then the gravy train is well and truly over. So I'm cynical, but it's cynical. But I, honestly, if he's if he's working hard now, he's only trying to get in the team to get his next contract. He doesn't care one iota, one jot about West Bromwich Albion or playing for West Bromwich Albion. The guy's a fraud. So I, I'd, I'd out of spite, I'd sit him in, I'd keep him in the reserves just to end his career because I feel like he's completely defrauded us for the entire period he's been at the club. He's a disgrace. He's played 23 games for us. Apparently, I've read. Yeah, that's in right. his entire in his entire con- contractual duration with us, that and that is the sum total of that man's value. Uh, to be honest with you, if he played half that, I would have been happy, because I just cannot see a point to Kenneth Zohor. He's 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 the he, other than the, the damage that's been done to our academy, he is the worst thing to come out of the Luke Dowling era. Era, in my yeah. opinion, Kenneth Zohor. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> he's not been positive, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, let's wrap a bow on the team in terms of transfers and things like that. So, I think, like I said already, it's really positive. I think Swift and Wallace could be utilised, I think, with DK up front. Grant, I know he's got his critics, but he did score goals last season in a average championship side. So, I think he, you know, him and DK up front could be a really potent strike force. I mean, in terms of the three more players, the fullback, the midfield, the striker, in terms of fallback, I think with these signings that we've had with Swift and Wallace, I think it probably would push Taylor Garden Hickman back to his preferred role as right back. So I think we've got two good right backs in Furlong and TGH. Left back, we've got Connor Townsend and Zach Ashworth coming through and, and has done positive things. So, you know, if you were going to sign a fallback, what what position would you be looking at? Would you be looking at right back or left back for a, for a new position, a new signing? Sorry, John. <clears throat> I think TGH's best position is centre midfield, so I'd be looking for a right back. Yeah. Um, um, I also think, though, um, that Townsend was a bit iffy towards the end of last season and he wasn't playing particularly well. 
Um, and I think having some senior uh, competition for him perhaps might be the, what, what they're thinking. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a left-back. Yeah. Um, I know that Townsend was probably our best player under, um, under Ishmael. Um, for long periods, but he, he didn't. He didn't do too, too well when he was. Ex- I think when he was expected to defend, yeah, um, uh, more as a, a you know a classic left full back back. as opposed yeah. to a wing back. I think he struggled, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was a full back, a left back. Um, I think right back. I mean, Furlong's the same. Furlong's just you know he's more of an attacker than he is a. He's probably a midfielder in reality um, than as opposed to a, a defender. But we have got a further cover at right back if we need it with Dar Rocher. Obviously, he's got experience playing there. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd rather he play central midfield, central defence. But um, if he's needed, he can play right back. So I think right back we're pretty covered because you've got two players, utility players, who can cover it in TGH and uh, and obviously Dar Rocher. Yeah, right. Whereas I think left back we've got we've got we've got absolute specialists at left back, uh, which means that we might need some some cover there. Um, but I don't think fallback is necessarily. I wouldn't be looking for a fallback personally. I'd be looking for a central defender. Um, I think Bartley's a good player when he's got a when he when he's got somebody who can make up for his shortfalls next to him. Yeah. I don't think we've we've played a back three for so long. I think we've got so many defenders who can play a back three that they can't play a back two. So we, I think, I think that's where we need one. Is is a central? Maybe he's thinking Dar Rocher um, is the guy. But I'd be I'd be prioritising central defence over fullback myself. What do you think, Steve? If if I was gonna if I was gonna do anything with regards to defence, um, one thing that I'd be really considering at the moment is our utter lack of potency at dead balls that our centre halves have provided us with last season. Yeah, there's no um, Craig Dawson, is there? But well, I mean, you, you know, you look at. Uh, you look at GMAC and you look at Craig Dawson uh, and Jonas even. They used to get the odd goal for us from corners, dead balls. They were a menace. Dawson was an absolute predator in the box at a dead ball. Uh, and so was GMAC. The goals, I mean, the, the Liverpool goals that uh, GMAC scored for us. Um, and then last season, we just looked dead from that, from that source. Yeah. A contribution of goals from that source of, I don't know, five or six goals from corners by centre-halves would have made a bit of a difference in a few of those games. Uh, and it might, have, it might have put us in the in the playoffs. You never know. I, I mean, I know that's a bit of a reach. But I'm just saying that I'd be desperately, desperately searching for, for someone either who can coach people how to score goals from corners because we used to have that, that facet to our, uh, to our team. Or I'm looking for a potent centre half who can actually has actually got that in his arsenal already, because I've just really disappointed with that last season. You don't forget though that we also had Chris Brunt and Mateusz Pereira bringing the ball in. You know we don't have that anymore. So hopefully Jed Wallace and John Swift can provide a better delivery because I don't think the deliveries were particularly good. But I do agree with you. Having a central defender who can score goals is a huge asset. I'm going to say I think the problem you've got. And I agree with you about centre half. I think it is a position he's looked at. But I think the problem you've got is you've got Dar O'Shea, you've got Carl Bartley, you've got Semi Ajayi, you've got Keane Bryan, and you've got Cedric Kipre. You've got five centre halves there. Uh, obviously, uh, Matt Clark's gone back to Brighton. Um, but you've got five centre halves there. And I think until we move somebody on, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not going to be a Keane, position. Keane Bryan, and Cedric, so Keane Bryan and Cedric Kipre do need to go. I think they're, they're back three. Defenders, they're not back. They're not centre halves. No, I agree, and I, and I think if we move them on, then that might open up the door to a, a new signing coming in. But I think while we've got the five, it's not going to be a priority. I think they're going to be looking more towards you know midfield, maybe a striker. Um, central midfield, central midfield, definitely. We need we need some competition there. I think. Um, but I mean, and, yeah, and I agree on. with striker as well because and I, I agree with striker. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, no, I, no. I no, agree. no. I agree on striker as well because at the moment, really and truthfully, the only out and out centre forward we've got is DK, and he's unfortunately he's he's questionably injury prone at the moment. You'd have to say that, wouldn't you, after the horrendous season he had last year with hamstring injuries? So, yeah, we definitely needed a striker, and we definitely need a central midfielder. Agreed. What do you think, Steve? How do you think the squad's shaping up, and what positions would you be looking at as his centre midfield? You know, striker, the positions that that need. 
the most attention? I think now, um, I don't think I'd be too concerned about central midfield. Um, I think with the, it, it depends on who who they want to move on, because obviously if they're going to move Livermore on, and, and they're not going to do that this season, because he's just triggered another twelve months uh, with his appearances in last last season. So therefore, I don't think we've got too much of a problem as far as central midfield's concerned. We've just signed two two more midfield players, yeah. and. And and again, I'm no expert on either of the two players. I will I will admit that, but certainly looking at what I have seen of them, what they will do is they look like the sort of midfielders who will maintain um, possession for us. Because Take people on as well. Well, just keep keep possession when they've got the ball. The opposition um, the opposition midfield are going to have a hell of a job trying to get the ball off them. Because they're they're handy on the ball, they look really comfortable on the ball. I mean, um, certainly Wallace. I think it was Wallace. It might have been. I can't remember which one it was that impressed me, but he looked like a nutmeg king. The number the number of times I saw him nutmeg players just by a deft flick of his of his an unexpected deft flick of his foot, and and the the opposing player was just completely taken out of the game by him. Now. We've needed desperately that sort of play higher up the pitch uh, facet of the game because under Pulis, we always used to play just in front of our penalty area, which meant a small mistake and they were in on our penalty area. What we needed to do was play further up. So therefore, I'm not too concerned now, having signed two good midfield players who can possess the ball and pass the ball forward. The one thing that really concerns me about it is Running into the box, we we when we had um, Gale playing up there, and again this is not me necessarily advocating signing Gale, but when we had him there, you could guarantee he'd pick the ball up on the edge of the box and run into the box with it. I mean, I, the goal against Stoke was just fantastic at the Hawthorns. That sort of facet of our game disappeared, so I'd be wanting to think in terms of. We desperately need somebody to run into the box uh, as a striker and and take the ball in there and get penalties or score goals. We were desperately short of that last season. So, yeah, that's my uh, those are my thoughts. Need a game manager in the mid central midfield as well, because what we haven't got is we've got loads of defensive midfielders, um, but we haven't got a we haven't got a Jonathan Greening, which I think is this team just screams out for because so often last year. <clears throat> when teams sit back against us, you don't need a defensive midfielder anymore. You've got a mo- you know you've got a box to box player in Moore, and I think now he's had that surgery. I'm hoping that he's going to be back to his best. And I think sometimes we don't need Livermore sat there because if we're as one of the top teams in this division, you know teams some we're going to sit back against us, and it, we could desperately Sawyer's would have been Sawyer's a Sawyer's type. I think I think that was a mistake. I still maintain advocate that that was a mistake. Um, Let Sawyer's go because I think he was the perfect player for that job. Um, but that's what we haven't got, in my opinion. We haven't got a deep line quarter. Like we've got a quarterback style player who can maintain possession and start distribute the ball um, effectively. Um, and other than a striker of of the ilk that Steve mentioned, which I agree with, that's that's what we need. Mm. I'm going to be a little bit contradictory to you both and be overwhelmingly positive. I think we've got what's shaping up to be a great midfield. You look at what our midfield could be if we play four four two. You've got Dean Garner on the left, possibly. You've got Mowit. Um, Swift in the centre midfield. You've got Wallace on the right. You've also got Taylor Gardner Hickman in the mix and Jason Malumbi. Matt Phillips, I know that he's been questionable. And Jake Livermore, I know that he's had his critics, but when he's utilised right, he, he has contribu- contributed to games. So let's say we're 1-0 up, 20 minutes to go, we need to solidify things. You bring on Jay Livermore. I think there's a really good midfield there. It's how Bruce utilises it and how it's deployed. But I think with the two signings we've made so far, yes, there's still work to do, but I think we could have a really good team on our hands. And injuries, look with injuries, obviously, is a big thing. But DK and, and Grant up front as well, like I said, that's that's a good attacking side. 
And I think if we can get the balance right and we can get, you know, not have a, <laughs> not have a, what was his name? The player who couldn't score a goal to save his life. Hugel. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to bring it out of my memory. But if we have, as long as we haven't got someone like that who can't hit a barn door, I think we could be in for an exciting season. I'm positive and, I, and, and I'm hopeful that things can go well. I agree with you. The issue, the issue is, is I don't, John Swift and Jed Wallace are not midfielders, they're attackers. You know, Jed, John Swift is a number 10. Yeah. And Jed Wallace is a winger. So it doesn't, we're not going to play 4 4 2. So we're going to end up playing 4 2 3 1, which means I think there's a job next to Mowat for somebody because, yeah, Livermore's fine at defending, but he can't do anything else. TGH? And I think I, TGH, yeah, he's good. He's a, he's a top player. But I, I still, I think, I, I'm just trying to think in terms of what, trying to read what Bruce is thinking. I think he thinks he's a right back. Yeah. Um, well, I agree. Yeah, he would be perfect. But uh, you do, I just think we need what we lack in in reality. And I won't repeat myself. Is that deep lying playmaker? Because I think we've got everything else. I agree with you. It's positive. It's good. But Swift and a central midfielder, not in a four four two. He's he's an attacker. He's number ten. I think it's exciting to have these players at our uh, at our club, and I'm really excited for next season. I think if we could move players on, I know that Adam Reach, Coventry was that was that a rumor flying around. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I saw, it was me who tweeted about that. Um, it's just something I heard. Um, a fee of a million pounds was mooted, but uh, I haven't heard anything else since. Uh, so I don't know whether or not that was a wind-up or what, but um, I thought I'd share it anyway, just on the off chance that, you know, it's a bit of news in it at the end of the day. Yeah. So I think, I think, so. I think there's positivity there. Let's So let's move on. Let's talk. Let's see what Steve Bruce had to say on it. Was the, it was the first day of pre-season, and he was talking to WBA.co.uk. We really, really are delighted that we've managed to get our two main targets. It's no secret that we wanted to try and find something with a little bit of invention. The pair of them, in terms of goals and assists, have got that in abundance. Year in and year out, they've done it in the Championship, so we're delighted that we've got them. Especially now, they've been able to come and join our pre-season. I'm very, very pleased with what we've done. I've never seen the kid DK play. And the same goes for Zohor, who I know hasn't had the best of times here. It's the same with Matty Phillips. They are like new players for me because I haven't seen them in three months. I was here as they were really unfortunately injured. Um, It'll be really important time for them in pre-season. He also added, it's the first day back, the sun's shining, it's a beautiful day, and it's great to see fit, young, healthy people flying around a training ground. It's It's good to see. It's good to be back and seeing the fixture list coming out this morning and we're all geared for for now for five weeks time. We go away at the weekend to a training camp and that's always going to be hard work. Look, we've had our holidays and they're gone. We're now focused on getting ready and keeping everybody fit. We're focused on that game in Middlesbrough, which is five and a half weeks away. What's your reaction to that, John? Uh, yeah, great. Fantastic. Um <laughs> A lot of fluff there, and there's just not a not like non statements, which is fine. You know, he was asked a question and he's got to fill some time, so I'm got an issue with the way he answered it. But I'm just saying there's not a lot of substance to there. But what I will say is this is that is a tough start we've been handed. Um so it's positive, it's actually positive that we've got these players in as early as we can because classic yeah. Albion is, you know, hoover up the uh hoover up some dross on the last day of the transfer window when you're already three games in. Um, and yeah. then and then work for the next three months to get him fit, just in time for him to get injured. So that's our normal uh, bag. <laughs> so I'm I'm actually really glad that we've uh, we've deviated from the uh, you know the, the well trodden path on that one. And I think it helps because, as I said, we've got such a tough start. So you know, have, giving him the opportunity to work with Swift and Wallace and all the rest of the players uh, tactically, um, he's a positive. Can't be a positive. Can't be a negative. It must be a positive. Yeah, I've been quite critical of Bruce on this podcast in the past. If you listen back to mostly the last episode, you will. But, uh, you know, I'm impressed with how he's talking. I think something that I also quite like, and, you know, I know that we've got to try and move players on. That's obvious. The club's even admitted that, you know, um, Ron Gourlay said that we've had players here for too long. But he's what he's saying is everybody's got a fresh start. Everybody's got a chance to impress and get into the first team. And I think that's the best way of looking at it. You saw, you know, pe- previous managers come in and they say, right, you're my player, you're not my player, you're out on loan, you're going here, you're doing that, and try that tough approach, which quite, you know, in the end failed. I think what he's trying to do is say, right, 
you know, you're not the ideal player that I want, but I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to keep you included in the squad because I might have to call on you if we get a load of injuries rather than saying, right, that's it. You're banished to, you know, train with the kids or whatever. And, and that player would never play for you again. At least this way he's trying to keep everybody together. And then if we can offload players, we will do that. But if we can't, at least we've got players that can contribute next season and haven't just been ostracised. And, and that's just my opinion. What was your thoughts, Steve? You know, Uncle Steve, he's he's that he's that lovely bloke who loves to talk to in front of the cameras and and by the speakers, and and he says the sort of things that are really nice uh, because we haven't kicked a ball yet, we haven't had a friendly. We're, we, we, this is right at the very start. So what do we expect him to say? You know, he's not said anything. Um, with any substance, as John says, for the simple reason that there isn't anything to say of any yeah. substance other than to say we've made two apparently good signings, and I agree with him. Um, I can't say that I can't say he hasn't said anything which I disagree with uh, in, in this little little foray on the on the uh, local 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 website or whatever it is. Um, he's he's just me, being Mister Uncle Steve. Yeah, nice. <laughs> good old steve um right so let's talk about fixtures which john did allude to previously so we've got middlesbrough first game of the season uh third saturday the 30th of july which is fast approaching uh has been moved uh to is it 5 30 p.m of course it is excuse it for, for sky what a surprise we yeah, yeah. so mean to go on at least first this game a, of the season <laughs> at least this is an away game though I suppose yeah, it's true. That's you know, true. That's usually true. it's a three PM home game. Sky are like, oh, 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 move that out of the road. It um, is five thirty. It is five thirty. Yeah, yeah five thirty. So you know, but like you said, John, tough start to the season. You go Middlesbrough, Watford, Blackburn Rovers, um, Cardiff. You know, not easy games by any stretch of the imagination. Can we look and see, you know, and hope for a, a positive start out of those games? I think it will be a definite acid test for Bruce and this new look team, you know, straight away. There's no, you know, easing into the season, is there? No, and I think uh, I think it's a good thing in reality because I think you know, last if you look at last season, we beat Bournemouth uh, early doors um, <clears throat> or drew with them. I think drew one one was it? Yeah. Should should have beat them, but drew played well. You know, you can catch teams cold, but the point is, is uh, you know, there's no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be sweating uh, Middlesbrough. You know, let's face it, we're, we should be beating them. We should be beating pretty much everybody in this division. Um, and that's not me being arrogant. I think that's just really reflective of the fact that we've probably got one of the biggest budgets in the division. So, um, yes, it's a tough start. And it's not, you know, but there's no, there's no easy games in the, you know, the old cliche. There's no easy games in the championship. Everybody can beat everybody, and we saw that ourselves, you know, for, with our own eyes last year. So, um, but yeah, it is a tough. It's tougher than it could have been, I suppose. You know, a home game would have been nice, um, I suppose. But um, and yeah, it's not in Middlesbrough, which, as we all know, is one of the most abysmal uh, journeys uh, and experience. And experience, matchday experiences, yeah. probably in the world in world football. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was rubbish, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, John says that. I don't know if you listened to one of our previous episodes, but us three, back in the Great Escape season, travelled to Middlesbrough away uh, where they were doing the free buses and we got thumped 4-0. <laughs> it, was a, it was a thoroughly yeah. miserable day. <laughs> I think Stuart Downing scored a hat-trick, if I remember rightly. He scored a free kick, I know that's for certain. But, uh, yeah, and we yeah. ate a McDonald's off our laps <laughs> while we waiting. Yeah. And you get, you actually get, I don't know if everybody's been to Middlesbrough, when you get there, there's just a flat-packed red stadium, which is Pride Park with red stuff on it, as you can imagine. They're all the same. Yeah. Just plonked in the middle of a complete wasteland, and there's just about half a mile of nothing until the river. And you're like, oh, great, we're here two hours before the game starts. I can't wait to walk around over that part of the car park as opposed to walk around over that part of the car park. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Just a hellhole, to be honest with you. That's not Middlesbrough. <laughs> I'm not talking about Middlesbrough. I mean, I'm talking about the Riverside Stadium. Where the Riverside Stadium is, it's just awful for a match day experience. So, yeah, great. At least, at least you can watch it on TV and that not was, have to travel. That, that was 
a fair while ago, lads, to be fair. I mean, you yeah. never know. They might even have put one or two bricks together between then and now. <laughs> <laughs> built, a, yeah, well, yeah. built the odd structure here and there. <clears throat> Soulless. Soulless. <laughs> the, so actual anyway. ground, the actual ground itself, yeah, it's just one of them soulless flat pack things, isn't it? Yeah. And then moving on, like, you know, to Watford, I won't go through the whole, you know, picture list, but I think Watford will be a tough test at home as well. I mean, they're a good side, just got relegated, going to have plenty of money. Um, have they hired a new manager yet, or has he been sacked by now? <laughs> they've had three, uh, they've had three you, since, you realize, since the last podcast. <laughs> you do realise that, you know, when you're in London, you're never more than nine feet away from an ex-Watford manager. <laughs> 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 so anyway, that's that's us criticising our opponents enough. <laughs> Remember the Blackbird, they're rubbish as well. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So yeah, um, tough start of the season, and I think it'll be uh, interesting to see how we get on. Um, let's talk about the academy. Now, this was first reported by at ground underscore guru on Twitter, who said that West Brom had been put onto special measures to retain their Category 1 status. This is the West Brom Academy. Now, a couple of uh, journalists come out, and I think it was more the wording of special special measures because it's not a recognised term within cat, uh, within uh, Academy sort of uh, appraisals. So what they did, uh, the Express and Star did an article on it, and they basically said that West Brom had been granted a one-year licence at Category 1 status rather than the regular three-year licence uh, due to improvements that need to be made to get to the full three-year licence. Um, there's been a tightening of the rules, apparently, uh, with Birmingham being downgraded and also Burnley expected to be downgraded. Uh, but West Brom are reportedly confident that they will make the changes quickly and receive a full three-year licence again. So... I think I think if I'm honest with you, this is something that's come to a head. We've seen things happen at the academy, you know, as fans that haven't been good. All of our coaches seemingly leaving, Luke Downing doing whatever he was doing, um, you know, to sort of wind everybody up by the seam. And then we've seen, you know, a load of players leave, you know, some for the villa, some for other places. And I think it's now time for the club to really look back at the academy and address these changes. And to be fair to Ron Gourlay, I know I've got his critics and I've been critical as well, but everything that we've asked of him, he seems to address. I'm talking about fan zone. I'm talking about season ticket prices. I'm talking about signing so far. So with that in mind, I think, yes, this is obviously not good news, but I think it's something that he will address and along with the, the, the board and get things sorted. But what do you think, John? Uh, I'm going to be quite cynical again, but you know we lose players <laughs> just to make a change. <laughs> yeah, go on, sorry. We're a category. You know, we're we, we've got category one status, and we lose players for a pittance anyway. So what what's the difference between being a category two and a category one um, yeah. in reality? We get less um, money if we're category two. More do we get even less than nuts, even less than nothing. You mean like yeah, the Louis Barron? We get less. <laughs> uh, that's part of it, apparently. We get less yeah. money for the development of those players, uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's downgraded. No, I know you are right. There is there are tangible benefits to being Category One. I think I am being overly cynical, of course, but um, yeah, it's 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 like I said earlier, like I alluded to earlier, it's the legacy of Luke Dowling, just a legacy of total incompetence um, has led us to this point. Um, yeah. and uh, I'm glad to hear that we've still maintained the Category 1 status for a year. Um, hopefully we get promoted so we can get some money so that we can address these issues and get uh, continue to get it. Because I think, you know, the club is not flush with money, according to the accounts that I've seen, but they're about two years out of date now because they still haven't released the, uh, the current year, or the last year. Um, and we seem to be spending quite a lot of money on uh, free transfer salaries. So hopefully there's some money lay around for this because so, it is important that the that it you know it is important that we have a good academy. I think for a club like Albion, because whilst we we get frustrated with losing players, um, they are a sort of a, it is a bit of a cash flow for us. It's a bit of a uh, conveyor belt. Even if they don't play for us, we still get some money for them if they go and play for somebody else at least. Um, yeah. And at least now we and hopefully now we've learned the lesson from Louis Barry. We'll offer everybody a contract uh, before they leave so that we get the development cash if nothing else. Um, so it's, we do need to address it. It is positive. Uh, it is positive to have a Category One uh, academy, um, and I hope I agree with you. I think the sentiment sentiment I have is, I think Ron Gourlay's got to address it. So I think he will. Yeah. Um, you raised a good point there, John, in terms of the accounts. Now we've been waiting 
for West Brom to release the accounts um, because you did a great job uh, a few episodes ago now, probably like episode 30, something like that, and you broke down the accounts and, and what the club's financials looked like, but it was a couple of years out of date because that's the most up-to-date accounts we have. Once the new accounts come out, and we've had a good time to look at them. You know, John's waved his magic and, and broke it all down for us to understand because, <laughs> to be honest, I had my head spinning. Um, we will probably do another episode on that because I found that really interesting. We got good positive feedback from that episode as well. So that's something we will look to address and report on when the accounts are finally provided. I think we're the last one to do it. I think Crystal Palace was second to last, but they've published theirs now and West Brom are still dragging their heels. So, What, what do you think about I've, the academy, Steve? Crisis management. I think it's 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 been a theme since uh, the takeover uh, of um, of Albion, and 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 the air of solidity around our academy. It was always acknowledged as one of the best academies in the country. I think um, that's that's been shaken, and now we because there isn't the oversight uh, and the and the above average management of the academy which we've been used to uh what's happened is that um we've 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 lost we've lost the credibility it's lost its credibility uh, and um and its efficiency um and now as a result of that crisis management has stepped in um to the extent where oh my goodness me what about the academy let's do something about it quick oh we've got a one year now we've got a year to do something about it it just seems to me that there's a theme through albion at the minute uh, hopefully um things might look up with Gourlay as ceo uh, and and the management of the academy might pick up now they've had this shock but uh, yeah i think i think you're right johnny i think that is a very valid point we need to be efficiently oh having have efficient oversight of the academy so that we can offer the appropriate people contracts so that when they move on we at least get a contribution for them that's really key uh, and, and a club like ours where again crisis management means that our squad is permanently weak which means that we can't really very often introduce academy products into the squad because there isn't the innate strength within it, means that we need constant contributions of the nature that you raise so that we can maintain its funding. Uh, now, we've got 12 months of crisis management to sort it out so that we can get the three-year licence and so that can be maintained. I, I have been critical of whether or not we need an academy at Albion for a long time because of the lack of appropriate in, um, investment. But now... OK, I think it's probably appropriate that we do keep one, but it needs to be properly uh, properly managed, like every other aspect of the club, really. Well said. So let's um, talk about uh, just some ground news, really, just to let everybody know that the mega store at the ground has new opening hours. Monday to Friday, it's open 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. And then Saturday and Sunday, Saturday 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., and Sunday 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. So when they do a finally announce the kit, which everyone seems to be asking for on Twitter, I'll just see a West Brom post and underneath announce the kit, announce the kit, announce the kit. Um, I, reckon I'll have blue, there. I, reckon, I reckon I'll have blue and white stripes. I think so as well. I think you might be right. And have Ideal on the front, maybe. But to be fair, they're the best. They're the best sponsors ever. I love the Boiler Man, so I'm not knocking them. I think it's great. Um, I, I, I think I think they'd have to go some to beat T-Mobile. Yeah, T-Mobile were a good sponsor, to be fair. They were uh, back in the day. Right, so um, let's talk about Have Your Say. So we've had a little feature on the uh, previous few episodes, and we're going to continue it into the new season when we start. Uh, and basically, Have Your Say. I put out on social media that we're recording a new podcast and, and ask for any thoughts, predictions that they want us to chat about. And we've had a few comments that I want to raise and, and discuss with you guys, if that's OK. So the first one is from big friend of the show, Mark Stevenson. And he said, um, Borough in July and August fixtures showing it could be a tough start to the campaign, especially when teams have yet to bed in. How soon before the panic button is pushed? And he said he's forever the pessimist. I think he makes a good point. I think, you know, we don't want to go out and uh, into the season with that like a bit of a negative outlook in terms of, oh gosh, you know, how long is Bruce going to last? But he has got a point that if, you know, if we lose the first four or five games, 
we probably will be, you know, the pressure will be on Bruce, won't it, John? Absolutely, under those circumstances, absolutely. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I've, I'm jaded by constantly changing managers, completely jaded by it. Um, I didn't want us, as of, as we all know, I didn't want us yeah. to lose Ishmael. However, now we have. Um, it's just insanity to lose, to just to sack your manager early doors. Um, I think we all learnt that lesson, hopefully. Um, so... I'd stick with him. I think unless unless it's utterly disastrous, like you know, when we're talking, we've lost five games on the bounce uh, and we're bottom of the league. Then, obviously, under those circumstances, you've got to have to change something. Um, but you know, if we're not top of the league after the first five games, I think that's that's any reason to sack a manager. I think as long as we're performing well um, and uh, you know, and we're picking up points, I think that's that's all you can expect. From a manager, you can't expect a perfect start, but equally, you shouldn't you shouldn't tolerate a completely inept start either. Yeah, Steve. Well, I think it's more likely that we'll win all the first five games of the season than it is lose them all. Um, I think I think certainly last season we started the season uh, pretty much on fire, really, but that doesn't mean to say automatically we'll do it this season. But having Having, now we are in possession of Steve Bruce and Ron Gourlay, um, then we'd better invest in them. I think I think that's what's going on. I think what we can say is that the board appears to be um, backing them and and solidly behind them, if you like. Well, I think we need to be doing that too. Uh, and as I say, we stand a far better chance of winning first five games of the season than losing them because um, we stand a chance just as easily of catching them cold uh, as they have of catching us cold you know it's the start of the season for for everybody isn't it I think I mean it was reported wasn't it Steve Bruce is now starting his 45th year in football you can't ask for a more experienced manager, especially at this level in the championship. I, don't, I know I've been critical of Bruce in the past, but we, you know, how I feel about it personally for myself is I've had my little sort of, I don't want Bruce. I don't think he's the right person, but now that he is going to be the person that takes us forward, I'm going to get on board with it because there's no point me keep, you know, raging against the machine. At the end of the day, he's an experienced manager. He has had success at this level. And, we are supporting him as as a team, you know, as the club is giving him the players that he wants, hopefully. I know that he hasn't been, you know, flush with cash, but he is getting the players he wants. So for me, you know, you look at the squad we've got, you look at the manager we've got, surely, touch wood, that's a recipe for success. But, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. But I just think, you know, now that he is our manager, now we're going to have him for at least another 12 months, I'm going to personally get on board with it and, and support him. And hopefully things go well. Here, here. So let's uh, let's talk about another comment we had, uh, Mark Griffiths, another friend of the show. Thank you very much for your comments, Mark. So the first one was, with Bruce getting his first, sorry, with Bruce getting his top two targets, does this mean he's prepared to work with what we've got? If not, who else do you see falling out of the team, assuming that any subsequent signings are signed to start, not just to be squad members? Um, that's a good point because that's the other thing I wanted to mention. I remember uh, under Alan Irvine, we had a flurry of activity. Uh, we signed like six players, six, seven players, and they were all not very good, really. Um, you know, there's people like Blanco. I think we signed Pocignoli, um, Samaras. Sam- yeah, yeah Samaras. Samaras. You know, there were there were there was many of them. There was a qu- you know there was a large quantity, but there was no real quality in there. And I think to be fair to them this time. You know, we haven't had a vast number of signings. We've had two, but they're both quality signings who can change the first team. And I think that's more important. So, you know, in terms of who could drop out, I think we've discussed that. I think, you know, people like Matt Phillips, Jake Livermore have, have definitely got, you know, work to do to try and stay in the team. Jake Livermore obviously started more against Matt Phillips yes, last year. But I think there's definitely a blend there that, that could be successful if utilised right. What, what do you think, Steve? Well, I, I could be a little bit controversial here and say uh, it's possible that now we've made two signings of the nature that we have. That is Dean Garner's position in the team a little bit uh, a little bit precarious because what he hasn't done is produce the form that he did uh, for the last two years. Uh, yeah. He's 
you know, so he's one who could drop out of the team until he gets his mojo back. And perhaps, you know, the arm around the shoulder hasn't worked a little bit. I don't know. Perhaps it took a bit of time on the bench. We'll see. But, the, you know, you've mentioned the main ones that, that are going to fall, fall out, I think, to be honest. Uh, the one I hope doesn't fall out of contention to be in the team is obviously TGH. I want to see him yeah. uh, in there because it, you can't just suddenly disappear. Probably the, the one high spot of our season last season. Um, I want him to remain there. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, Grant is probably going to get his place due to the number of goals he scored, but certainly not on the level of his performances, necessarily, in every other aspect of the game. Um, perhaps he's under a little bit of pressure now. I, I don't know. Um, probably not, for in, in all fairness, because he was our leading scorer. But, yeah, that, those are the considerations that I've got on that subject. What do you think, John? And also, sorry, something else Mark added it was also who do you think will be first to leave? And he put in brackets, doesn't look like it's going to be Zahor. So, what do you think about, you know, who could drop out the first team and who do you think might, you know, leave? Uh, well, that's a different question to who do I want to leave, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Reach's time's up. I think he was a he was a failed experiment. Um, and I think his salary is outrageous. I think he's our second highest earner. I've, I've heard somewhere, which is just obscene. When you think that we've got ex-prem players and yeah. you know record signings in the squad, uh, <clears throat> so I think his time could be up. Uh, Matt Phillips, as we've already discussed, his time should be up, um, and I could see him going. Um, but I think any say, really like saleable asset up the top of the pitch potentially could be gone because mm-hmm. even Grant, I, I actually think I could see Grant. I could see it, him going because I think he's got value. Um, and I think we'd get 10, you know, maybe 10, 15 million pounds for him potentially from the right buyer. Because, we, you know, like we did with, um, I'm trying to think of the striker that we sold. Was it Diamante Kamara? We sold him for about six or seven million quid yeah, to, to Fulham. Uh, Cardiff. Or oh, was it Wigan or Cardiff or somebody? I think. Oh, Fulham. no, Fulham. You may be right. Fulham. It was Fulham. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, we got good money for him. And, and he was a similar sort of player to Grant, really. Really quite poor overall but he had that one goal scoring season and we got some money for him so i could see i could i could see grant going i think if, uh, I don't, and i think when you look at the players that we've signed you know if we do go after tom lawrence if that is a real um a real link as the expression starts him to think it is um then that's that's a that's a that's an entire three attacking players across the across the three of a four two three one new players and they're bruce's players um mm. And they would all, they're all genuine starters. They're of the quality to genuinely start. So I could see Grant going. Um, I don't think Dean Garner will go because I think he's young and I think he's got a, probably a lengthy contract. Uh, and I don't think we'd get anywhere near the money that we'd want for him. Um, he's two, two years into a five year, isn't he? So he's still got three years yeah. left to go. And I think, I still, I think Dean Garner still has uh, potential. I, I know that he's, he's, he's not played well for the last uh, couple of seasons largely, but I think. With the right, you know, with a, with because he don't forget he was playing with Matias Pereira there to help mm-hmm. him out and to, to draw players off him. I think someone like Swift could probably really help Dean Garner because I think he's going to play the sort of balls in behind that someone like Dean Garner can run onto, and he's also going to suck defensive players away from the wings, the wide players. So um, yeah, but uh, potentially Grant, I agree with Steve um, largely. Um, I think. But I could definitely see Reach going. I think that would be good, actually. The players that I can't see going is, unfortunately, Livermore, for the same reason that Steve suggested. He's, got, he's just triggered a new contract. Yeah. Um, I could also see uh, Keepre and Keane Bryan leaving. Um, I think they're, 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 not, they're not central defenders, per se. So I think they're going to struggle under Bruce. And I think we'd be looking for, actively looking for buyers. Um, I hope we are. I could also see Furlong leaving, too. Um, I think he's times up really and truthfully. I think he's probably third or fourth choice fullback now. And um, when you factor in that TGH can play there and Dar Roche, so um, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on that. Good question. Yeah. No, thank you very much for the uh, the comments and thank you very much for your thoughts, guys. Really appreciate that. It's uh, it's always welcome. We talk about strikers. Oh, I don't, I'm so laboured to mention his name, but Dwight Gale, you know, has been linked again. He always is linked. It's it's like a bit of a running joke now, isn't it? He's the Aruna Dindane of the uh, of the twenty twenties. 
Who's the other one? We were constantly. Was it was it Willem Carvalho as well? Do you remember? It was constantly just linked with him. Season after season after season. So if you you know let, let's say a Grant was to go or or, or not. You know, you only really got DK and Grant as strikers because nobody thinks Kenny's a whore. You know, besides Steve Bruce's praise, no one actually thinks he's going to, you know, make a dent in the first team next year. So, and and Steve Bruce has identified striker as a, as a, you know, as a priority. Who would you be looking to sign? And, and you know, who can add it? I mean, I mean, Dwight Gale is on, is out available now on a free, I believe. He's out of contract with Newcastle. So he could come in for a year and do a job, but... I can I can almost I can almost sense people listening to my voice right now rolling their eyes as I say it because it's been it's been labored to the point where it's you know ad nauseum so you know who could come in and do a job for a year or two besides a Dwight Gale that, that could change the team John uh well we wouldn't get him but Ben Burton Diaz someone like him um yeah. big unit we need a big we need a cent- we need a center forward in my opinion I think when you've got wide players um, like we have now, um, and we've got somebody who's capable of swinging the ball in, uh, which we have in Jed Wallace. He's got an excellent delivery on him. Um, it'd be lovely to have a big centre forward to put on for when we need one. Uh, I was an advocate of keeping Carroll for that exact reason. Um, it turns out he's failed a medical at Club Bruges uh, recently, yeah. so I think perhaps that, that was a factor. Explain it. Well, if he's failing medicals, then that would probably suggest why we wouldn't want to sit and pay him £20,000 a week, yeah. uh, which is what he reportedly wanted. So, um, yeah, I'd like a big centre forward. I, I do I do see where you're coming from, though, with the with needing somebody who can, who's, you know, on the ground, who's going to run into the box and make runs. Because if you have got very uh, creative players now, which we believe Swift and, and Wallace are going to be, there are going to be more opportunities to get into the channels and receive the ball. So someone like Dwight Gale, but not Dwight Gale would be mm. good. I think he's, yeah, I yeah. think unfortunately, I, th- I mean, you know, who can not love Dwight Gale? Some of the goals he scored for us were absolutely wonderful. Um, but I just think his time's up now. I think he's, he's getting injured a lot and his salary is going to be, his salary is going to be enormous. Uh, and I think he's a risk because of his injury record. Um, so yeah, someone like him, but not him. <laughs> yeah. I think you could, I think you'd almost liken it to Ben Foster, and I think the romantic side of them coming back would be great. But you know, like you said, in in real like life logistics and 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 looking at it, you know, more um, sort of you know realistically, I just don't think it's a, it's a it's a goer. Well, what what do you think, Steve? You know, what, what do you think the the strike force needs if we've got DK and Grant up front next year? It's probably going to be, you know, somebody who's going to fill in for one of them if they're injured or not performing. So, what what do you think we should add to the strike force? I honestly believe that what we need is that direct striker, the one who's got a passion for getting in the box. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, I've got to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I, I saw all the games I think last season, um, and there weren't many I missed, and. Uh, I can't think of anybody, or seriously can't think of anybody, um, who is better than Dwight Gale at doing that. Uh, but he won't come to us. Yeah. I don't think he. I don't think he particularly wants to come to us. I think we were we were an opportunity at the time. Uh, he had a good time with us, but now wages are, just won't won't happen. Um, I just can't see it. But having said that. Bearing in mind his abilities, he's exactly him at his best. Him of the uh, the ilk that he was when he kept when he played for us last time is precisely the thing that we lacked. Well, one of the really key things that we lacked last season. We just pithered around with the ball between the opposition penalty area and the edge of the, the centre circle. Uh, Passing backwards, sideways, any way they any way they could, except there was nobody with the the uh, the courage to get into the box. So he's exactly what we need. Uh, I don't think that'll happen though, unfortunately. I oh, you know, I'd love to see a sign, and it's completely unrealistic. Chris Wood. Oh yeah, because another missed I think, opportunity. I, isn't he? I think Newcastle bought him to relegate Burnley. I don't think they actually. He's not. He's not there. He's not going to be their player. No, he's not going to be their centre forward next year, um, 
And I wonder, at the age of 30, whether or not a cheeky little 10 mil bid might be enough to dislodge him. Because, But I don't know, but I, I can't... I, I think the difficulty would be considering him, would be convincing him to drop down the division to us. I think but alone would probably be the best he, shout. He would be absolutely my prototypical, what I think our strike force needs, is a Chris Wood. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I think since he's gone to Newcastle, and obviously they've got the money they have, he... I said at the time, I don't think he'll play for another team because I think his wages will be so astronomically high now. Um, and uh, he was useful for him last season, but I think, you know, with the amount of signings they're probably going to make this season, you'll see him drop down the pecking order. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think he would do, you know, wondrous, wonderful things at West Brom, but I just, yeah, I think it's a non-starter, unfortunately. But anyway, um, thank you very much for joining me, guys. It was really good to chat West Brom. I really, really miss this podcast. <laughs> I was texting you pair like, oh, I'm going to do an episode. I've really missed it. So it was really good to do that. Thank you very much for listening. Um, so, yeah, so we'll be back <clears throat> probably at the start of the season now. We might do one in between if some big news and West Brom finally release the financial accounts. Yeah, accounts. Thank you. One follower away from 1,000 followers on Twitter. One. One. Somebody please help. <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at all things WBFC. Um, and then we're also on Facebook at all things Albion. So if you can follow us over there. But, yeah, if you want to follow us on your um, your podcast platform of choice, that really helps the podcast out as well. Whether it be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. Um, I think I've named them all if I haven't. But, yeah, follow us on your platform of choice. Really appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening. Boing, boing. Boing, boing. Come on, you baggies. <laughs>